0: Hello, everyone. I am so excited for our special guest today, Lori Williams. This soul chat is very different. We talk about remote viewing. Lori Williams is a professional controlled remote viewer, also known as CRV she's also an experienced instructor of crv and certified hypnosis miss williams has been in researching and practicing and studying the science of controlled remote viewing since 1996 highly respected among both students and peers as an expert in the field of remote viewing laurie is considered by many to be one of the top remote viewing instructors available today She has taught CEOs of major corporations, number one New York best-selling authors, celebrities, hundreds of everyday people as well. She is currently the only certified instructor teaching beyond the advanced levels of CRB. As a professional remote viewer herself, Lori's experience includes assisting law enforcement in missing person cases, conducting professional sessions for corporations, working on archeological mysteries, providing personal life path sessions for individuals and a broad range of other topics. She has worked with many individuals, companies in several countries. An accomplished public speaker presenter, Lori has presented many workshops on remote viewing. She is an incredible human being. I really enjoyed our conversation. We talk about the history of remote viewing and how it's connected to the government and how they wanted to experience and learn more about psychic abilities, which I thought was really, really cool. She's just a really interesting individual. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. I hope you enjoy this episode. And I look forward to sharing this experience with you. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited for our special guest, Lori Williams. How are you, my dear? I am
1: doing great, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I'm super
0: excited to talk with you today because you are into something very interesting. Maybe people have heard about it. Maybe they haven't. And that's remote viewing. And I find this topic really fascinating. Can you tell our listeners what remote viewing is? Okay. So remote
1: viewing is a term like martial arts. It's kind of a big generic term that could include you know, so many different types of remote viewing. Martial arts can include taekwondo, jujitsu, you know, all the different types. So I teach several types of remote viewing, one of which, and the primary one, is controlled remote viewing, which we also call practical remote viewing. And that is a written structure that you use to access your intuition. And mm. in, it's, we call it an interview and report methodology, where your conscious mind is interviewing your subconscious mind. And so, you know, we can't talk openly with the subconscious. Uh, We're kind of blocked from being able to just have an open communication. And the fact that it's called the subconscious means it's below our awareness, right? So the goals of the techniques of controlled remote viewing are designed to help you access your subconscious mind and open that door so they can communicate, conscious and subconscious communicate together.
0: I think that's so cool because I think we all need some sort of access to our subconscious mind because our subconscious mind is constantly one. It's creating our reality. It's also creating our belief systems and our values, whether we know it or not know it influences us all throughout the day. So what are some of the things that the subconscious mind reveals through this technique? Well, the potential is
1: absolutely amazing as far as using controlled remote viewing as a self-discovery tool. We've learned so much about ourselves once we really are able to befriend and form a partnership with our own subconscious mind. It's almost like a different personality. And, and you know, we all have micro personalities. Like you're not mm-hmm. the same person you are with your toddler as you are with your husband or your, of course. your boss <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever. We have these different micro personalities. And in that way, the subconscious mind reveals itself to have its own personality, its own desires and prejudices and things like you mentioned, belief systems. So it's really great when we can form that partnership and get to really know the subconscious mind. And when you think about it, the subconscious is ruling the roost. I mean, it controls 99.99999% of our physical functions, you know, the heart beating, the lungs breathing, and all the functions that are taking place in your body, as well as so many of our attitudes and belief systems and things that we have going on that we don't realize, as you just mentioned, we don't realize how much they control us. But the thing that's most fascinating, and that CRV was developed to do, is to access the intuition that lies within the subconscious mind because we look at it as though the subconscious is connected to all that ever is, all that ever was, all that is, all that ever will be in all of time and space. And so you think, wow, what a repository of information. Um, You could even look at it like the subconscious mind is plugged into that great big cosmic database in the sky Mm -hmm. and get all the information that we need. And so when the US military, Discovered that the Russians were getting a lot of our military secrets and they had no idea how they were getting them. They found that this man defected from Russia and he was carrying documents that showed that Russia had a psychic spying unit in their military. And that's how they were getting our secrets. And that blew everybody's mind. Absolutely. <laughs> them, you know, back then, I don't think they even ever thought about anything slightly woo-woo, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, what you see is what you get. And if you can't touch it, it doesn't exist kind of a thing. So I think this blew a lot of minds that that the Russians were getting our secrets through psychic means, but they thought, well, if they're doing that, we have to have something to counter it and we have to compete. So they went to these physicists that were at Stanford Research Institute in Palo Alto, California, Hal Putoff and Russell Tark. And these guys had helped to invent the laser. So, I mean, these were not stupid men, right? And they asked them to actually research clairvoyance and psychic ability and all that sort of thing. So they started doing all these experiments. And they were able to get the help of this amazing psychic man named Ingo Swan. And Ingo had done some work, as I believe, take this with a grain of salt, but as I understand it, Ingo had done some work uh, with Princeton Labs. and. And he had been able to affect an electromagnetometer that was buried fifty feet underground. And the way he did it, he had a button on his—I think on the cuff of his sleeve—and he was turning that button and connecting with the machine to affect the machine. Kind of like James Bond. (laughs) He affected the machine just using a button on his shirt as a kind of as a surrogate, right? Mm -hmm. A knob. And uh, and then he also uh, was able to view Jupiter. And this was back, I think, early 70s. And he told them that Jupiter had rings. And at that point, they had no idea that Jupiter had rings. That wasn't discovered till later. So it was found to be true. And so they enlisted his help. And then they also found this guy named Pat Price, who was a retired Berkeley detective. And this guy turned out to be ultra psychic as well. So they started with these two guys, but eventually over time, they they got a lot of different people in that they would do experiments and they would put them in Faraday cages to protect them from any EMFs that could influence them in any way. And they would have chosen some location that they would have a photograph of and they would send someone to that location. They would say, okay, you know, where is Helen today? zero in on Helen and describe her location, and then they would sketch what they were seeing in their mind's eye, and it was often exactly the location. And uh, they've even said that the evidence that they collected through very stringent experiments actually proves the existence of clairvoyance and telepathy and all those things. They actually have more evidence to prove that than the FDA has to prove that aspirin is effective as a pain.
0: Pretty incredible. If you ask me, like, I think that's incredible. And I mean, as someone that's really into intuition and we use our intuition, like, it's just nice to have that validation that they've proven it. It's there.
1: They definitely have. But you understand that since this was the military who hired these men, Mm -hmm. the military has a great need for uniformity. If they want to take anybody off the front lines and teach, you know, a grunt soldier how to be psychic, so to speak. And so they hired INGO to come up with a written set of protocols that would allow uniformity that could be taught to all the soldiers type of thing. And so they had two units. They had one in Palo Alto at SRI. That was their research arm. And then they had another one at a a set of abandoned buildings because it was top secret. So it technically didn't exist. So Mm -hmm. they put them in these abandoned buildings with weeds up to their waist that they had to wade through every day. when They would come to work. And if they needed a new doorknob or anything, they had to go to like a surplus place. They couldn't go and get it through a normal means because they didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of funny. But anyway, so these guys were were the actual applications are. They were the ones who were actually doing remote viewing. And so nowadays, we're using this methodology for so many practical applications in addition to self-discovery, because you can literally remote view yourself and your motives and your belief systems and things like that. But also we're using it in, for example, archaeology, to find missing things. We did a project that we're still involved in, actually, Um, that we started in 2015. And we have 14 viewers involved, four project managers. And we had this whole team of people to try to help this archaeologist who had spent 40 years of his life looking for these artifacts in an area of ocean, a 200 square mile area of ocean. And he had been looking for 40 years. So we got, we named this whole project. We were able to give him the GPS coordinates where he would find what he was looking for, and tell him what he would find there, all through using CRV.
0: That's incredible, Lori. Yeah, just like, incredible. So you can use it for obviously intuition for self-discovery for personal use, and then you can use it to help others. Like you're saying with the artifacts, that's really neat to think about because many people lose things.
1: (laughs) That's probably one of the most common uses I know of among my students is, you know, and how I found my TV remote or I found the lost keys or whatever. It's it's a really common use of, of CRV. Well, I'm um, also though, of course, you know, law enforcement, missing persons. Um, I worked for two years just nonstop on missing persons. That became a diet that was pretty intense though, because not all missing persons are victims, some are also criminals. Right. So, so you're viewing some very dark things when you work almost nonstop with missing persons. There's just so many applications. I have a lot of physicians and psychologists and psychiatrists, among my students who use it to help their
0: patients, you know, and to help them understand their patients better and possibly. And I think that's really neat because if you think about Western medicine, this is a, a different approach to coupling with Western. Cause I think Western medicine is necessary. I think Eastern medicine is necessary as well. So it's nice when there's this, molding effect that where there's a happy medium of allowing intuition to look at the, the person, because not everybody is in the textbook. Not every symptom is in the textbook that we can go to and go, yeah, that's, that's the problem. So that's really awesome. So when they're helping patients with this remote viewing, what are some of the results that they can see or like, what happens with that?
1: Well, once you reach a certain level of proficiency with, with mm-hmm. the structure, because we we teach the structure as the foundation of the whole thing, the, the written structure. And once you really have that down, then the structure can hold you up through emotional ups and downs and, and all kinds of other things. So once you have the structure down, you can take our healing course. And the healing course is really phenomenal. It's the most phenomenal course I've ever studied. And uh, it's just so deep. Um, it's one of the students' favorite courses. I have people who sign up to study with me just so they can get to the point where they can take that course, you know. That's but, really neat. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing healing course. But one of the things you learn about this course and about healing in general is that you have to be involved. The person has to want to heal on a subconscious yes. level. There's a term called secondary gain where let's say that you have someone who is married and, and the only time let's say she only the only time she ever gets any attention from her husband is when she's sick for example mm-hmm. then there's a benefit to holding on to the sickness for her and so this technique uses a subconscious way of connecting subconscious to subconscious to help persuade the person to heal themselves yes so it's we call it kind of remote persuasion and on a healing level to help people
0: heal themselves. I think it's also eye-opening if someone recognizes that in order to feel love, I have to be sick. In order yeah. to feel intimacy, I have to I have to be sick. And that's a bad pattern to have, like a very <laughs> unhealthy pattern just in general to have. So it, that's neat that the, that the remote viewing can help with that. How did you get into all this? Well, it's, I, I, it's kind of an interesting path uh, journey that I, that
1: got me to this point, because when I was 14, I met this Jesus people group. I had just turned 14. I was like 14 and three weeks old. And I met this Jesus people group in August, August 8th of 1971. So that was 51 years ago. I met this group and they were a bunch of hippies that loved Jesus, you know, and I was enthralled. You know, we we ended up, they ended up praying with me, and I had this very deep spiritual experience that I to even today it was it was pretty profound. And it really did change my life. And so I ended up going all over the world as a missionary and traveling everywhere, and it was a pretty exciting existence, to be honest. But the thing is, is that my whole life I had had precognitive dreams. I had seen ghosts, you know, i would had really strange experiences my whole life. Um, I've had a near-death experience at like two years old. And so, you know, I was just the odd man out in our family. I was the weirdo. And
0: uh, a bunch of listeners can relate to that. So I totally get it. Especially, when you know, for
1: children, if you were ever a child who who exhibited certain abilities. I mean, it, it kind of freaked my mother out. She didn't know what to do with it. I feel sorry for her now thinking back and having my own kids, you know I mean? She just didn't know what to do with that. Like I, I would, I was little like three. And I said, mommy, last night, these angels came and got me and we were flying. And we were talking, but we didn't have to use our mouths because we talked with our minds. You know, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know No, that and back then I'm sure that freaked her out. It freaked her out a lot. And she she had this fear that I would die really young because mm-hmm. because I was like special or something. You know, she thought I yeah and she confessed that to me when I was an adult she didn't tell me that as a child but she just lived with this fear that that I would end up dying you know she she would say don't be too good because the good die young (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) I I had a dream once that I wrote a book um, that became a bestseller and it was called how to visit your mother and it was all these stories of things my mother did and said that were pretty hilarious (laughs) she had a lot she was Sicilian and she had a lot of um unusual beliefs. And she also had a lot of interesting little sayings that she would throw out periodically that were pretty hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, so that I, I was really intrigued with all this, but as a missionary, you're walking a fine line if you're, you know, if you're having precognitive dreams. And so I learned that it was kind of a thing of, of the terminology you use. You know, if you, if you say, I got a word from the Lord, or, you know, the Lord gave me a dream, that's okay. But if you just said, hey, I, I had a premonition, that's not okay, <laughs> you know? Uh,
0: it, yeah, words are important, especially in organized religion, words are important, so. Yeah, I have a blog that I wrote called How to Talk to Devout Christians About
1: CRV" because I, I had students who were like, my, my, everybody's worried that I'm getting into a cult or that I'm going into, you know, I'm gonna worship demons or something. It's a God-given gift to be able to see the beauty around us. But what about the guy who uses his eyes to look at pornography? Does that make your eyesight evil? No, it doesn't. I mean, that person chooses to use their eyesight in that way, but that doesn't make the eyesight evil. Mm -hmm. Nor does it make your hearing evil or your ability to talk or any of our other senses, our, our ability to smell. Sometimes we smell obnoxious odors, but it doesn't make our sense of smell evil. Well, God also gave us... A psychic sense. Mm -hmm. It's no more evil in our eyesight or hearing. And if you read the Bible, the Bible is full of paranormal experiences and precognitive dreams and visitations by angels and spirit guides. And so I really don't see a conflict between Christianity and all the things that you're involved in and that I'm involved in it's not at all. No.
0: And I don't either. And you know, one of my big tools is the Akashic records and the Akashic records is mentioned in the Bible. It's called the book of life. And so, you know, I think that as we learn more and more that the way we, and I like that you said, you know, it's all about wording because it really is it's the way we word things and the way we say things allows us to have a different perception around the tool itself. And the tool is here to support us. And the tool is here to help us be good. Because God, at the end of the day, God, universe, the divine wants us to have an amazing life. They want us to experience things that's amazing and heartfelt and allows us to grow and allows us to raise our vibration and see things differently. And I think that the more tools that we have in our toolbox and not every tool is meant for everyone. Cause you know, some things I might get that really click for me. And then other things that, won't. Well, I know like one of my very first teachers, she would teach the I Ching and I just didn't get it. It didn't click for me. It didn't resonate with me that does not mean that tool is not good. It just didn't work for me, but like some tools are great. Some tools just don't resonate and it's perfect. And I love that you found this tool because it sounds like it really helped you on a personal level. So you were, you were doing some missionary trips and then what happened after that?
1: So I was, and so I ended up coming back to the United States after being out of the country for many years, I came back to the States in the early nineties. And right around that time in 1995, the program of controlled remote viewing was declassified. And meanwhile, I was searching for something that could reconcile my Christian belief system with my experiences of seeing ghosts and hearing things. And I knew I was not evil. I knew that I was, you know, I just wanted to help people and serve people. And so I was like, okay, if I'm not evil and I constantly have these things happening, there must be an explanation that makes sense Mm -hmm. that doesn't conflict you know that doesn't go into demon possession or whatever because i had a lot of fears at that time i think that organized religion that that's the whole goal is there's a lot of fear involved you know so that there's more control Mm -hmm. and uh, um but at the time of course i didn't look at it like that and i was trying to understand what was happening so i was on this search to try to understand when uh, I had the great good fortune of attending, I got a job, first of all. I got I got hired as the head of a refugee resettlement program. And the first thing they did was send me to a conference in Denver, Colorado at the Spring Institute. And this amazing psychologist was giving these com- talks about post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was completely enthralled. And so that after the first day of the conference, I that night I dreamt that I met this guy. And he was a retired colonel and he had just retired from the military. And I had just met my very first Colonel ever two days earlier before leaving Amarillo, Texas. So in the dream, I was asking him if he knew this Colonel. And the next day I get to the ballroom to go into the conference and I'm there early and he's standing out there waiting. And he looks at me and I look at him, we're total strangers. I just blurted out, I had a dream about you last night. (laughs) And he's like, did and one of my, my mother used to say you know if you ever want a man to remember you tell him you had a dream about him <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like he did what did you dream so I told him it was just you know a pretty bland dream and he said oh that's that's interesting and he said what branch of the military is this colonel that you just met in and I said I think he was in military intelligence and he said, oh, interesting. I was also in military intelligence. And right as he said that, the cover of a book that I had seen at the bookstore, I didn't buy the book. I just looked at it, kind of thumbed through it and read the inner cover. That was turquoise and black. I couldn't remember the name of the book, but it was turquoise and black. And I just, again, blurted it out. And I was like, have you seen that new book? And he's like, what new book? And I said, it's turquoise and black. And it has something to do with psychics in the military. And he goes, are you talking about Psychic Warrior by David Morehouse? I said, yes, that's the book. He said, it's interesting that you're asking me about that book because I'm like one of the main characters in that book. I was the psychologist in charge of that military program for 20 years. So then he was very interested in me and he starts kind of leaning into my space and asking me. (laughs) And I'm like backing away and, and having, you know, just really fearful. You know, he's kind of leaning. And so he sees I'm kind of trying to get away from him at that point. And so he says, he says, wait, wait, before you go, when you get home, Get on the internet, which was very new at that point. Mm -hmm. And, And there were many warnings about all the terrible things that could happen to you on the internet. You could meet a terrible person and all this. So he said, get on the internet and look up controlled remote viewing. So that was the only thing I remembered. So when I got home, I looked up controlled remote viewing and I pulled up the website of a man named Lynn Buchanan and it said, what is CRV? And it had this explanation. And when I read it, it was like, oh, you know, here's the thing I've been searching for to reconcile because he made it so normal, you know, that it's a normal thing for all of us to have intuition. That's the way we were born. It was the way we were made. And so I knew I had to get in touch with him. So with great trepidation, I sent him an email because you don't send emails to people you don't know on the internet. You know, that was the, that was all the truth.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the truth of what was happening back then. Yes, it now it's just so funny to think about.
1: <laughs> so I sent him an email and he wrote right back this beautiful response, so kind and compassionate. And and uh, I, I was, I found myself getting sent to another conference like a week later in Maryland. And he happened to live in Maryland, 40 miles from where I was going to be staying. So he invited me to come out to his house and meet his wife. And he sounded so grandfatherly and sweet, you know, so I thought, okay, well, if I can get a rental car, For $29.95, I picked a very specific amount. I think it was $29.95 or $24.95. For tomorrow morning, I will go. And so I called Avis and they said, well, we have a car for tomorrow for the exact amount that I had put out there. So I rented the car and I I stayed at his house for like five hours talking. They probably couldn't figure out how to get rid of me. And and, uh, the hilarious thing is that I was 39 at the time and I was already a grandmother. I gave birth to seven kids and I have two wonderful stepdaughters, but I also had at that point a grandbaby. And so, you know, in getting to know me and asking questions, it came out that I had seven kids and a grandbaby and he and his wife thought I was like 25. So they thought I must have a screw loose because I have this imaginary family that I invented. And So when I left, his wife turned to him and said, Lynn, you have got to stop inviting these crazy people to our house, that poor girl and her imaginary family. He said it was odd because you seem so together in other ways, but but we just thought, oh, you know, this thing about the, the kids and the grandkid is, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny too is that I thought they were ancient. You know, I I thought they must be in their 70s. You know, and and they thought I was 25. I thought they were in their 70s. You know, I was like, oh no, what's going to happen to this if he dies? You know, we might have one foot in the grave and another on a banana peel. You know, it was just like, so he was only in his mid 50s at the time.
0: Is it so funny that your guys's perception on age was so skewed between the two of you? It was, and we joke about it now. Like some psychics, we are.
1: We couldn't even tell each other's ages. You know, we're (laughs) really bad judge of ages. But and he didn't look that old either. But you know, when you're young, I mean you know, when, if you go into a restaurant and look at how young you look, you look very young, but you could go into a restaurant where there's like a 16 year old at the cash register. And she might offer you the senior discount because to her, you look old, you know, yeah. because she's and, and so my, my husband and I, we benefited from that when we were young because we always got offered the senior discount. <laughs> so after that visit, we became fast friends really. And they ended up becoming like second parents to me. <laughs> they came to my wedding when I married my husband Jim. And uh you know, Lynn was like he's you know, like a dad to me, and, and his wife was like a mom to me. So they got to meet all the children, of course, <laughs> throughout the years. Got so they, they I, got
0: you to know your pretend family, <laughs> your family. very they, real they, they family
1: Members of my imaginary family, which has <laughs> 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 grown and grown. Uh, but anyway, so now we're just um, in fact, I have a great grandbaby now. Uh, she's not a baby anymore either. She's a toddler. So I have a
0: great grand toddler. <laughs> That's awesome. So but, he, the, the person you worked with that you went to his house, Uh, Forgive me, I forget the name that you said. Lynn Buchanan. Lynn Buchanan. Okay. He's, he, what did he do for remote viewing?
1: Lynn Buchanan was part of the original Stargate unit, which was the psychics buying unit. And he was a trainer in the unit. He was also the database manager. And so what was interesting is when the guys were in the unit, they all had ideas of what they would do when they retired, you know, because in the military, you can retire pretty young. So they all had different ideas. One guy was going to start a deck business and one guy was going to really throw himself into helping the Mormon youth of his church do their journeys that they take. And so everybody had these different ideas of what they were going to do. Lynn was just so intrigued by the whole thing of controlled remote viewing. And then as the database manager, he would do all kinds of data basing so that he could see, well, this worked better than that. After you know 500 sessions, You know, he had all this data to learn what really worked, which I loved. And as a former, he grew up as a Baptist and then he was a Methodist minister for many years. And so I found that he was the perfect person to help me segue from a very black and white binary belief system that was extremely small and limiting into something much bigger. And it wasn't because he preached to me in any way or talked to me about religion at all, but it was through my own remote viewing experiences, remote viewing the dark side of the moon, remote viewing Mars, remote viewing uh, various things that happen on the planet when there were, for example, they had to scramble a jet to identify an unidentified thing on a radar screen and the thing merged and disappeared and they never found any wreckage or anything. I I was given a lot of this type of target after I had become a professional remote viewer, not in the beginning. In the beginning, all my targets were very concrete targets, you know, like a red car on a bridge, you know, (laughs) that I could look at and, and score my sessions based on the accuracy of perceptions like colors, textures, temperatures, smells, sounds, tastes, shapes, sizes, patterns, positions, all those kinds of things you can score your abilities into a database, and then you can find out your strengths and weaknesses. And through doing that, we discovered that I had a terrible fear of heights. So Lynn would give me packets of targets to take home and practice with, which were essentially, you know, things cut out from a magazine and glued onto a piece of paper. Because back in the olden days, you know, we didn't have digital (laughs) photographs and we had to use things, you know, we had to glue it on paper. And so he would give me a packet of targets to work on And he would always slip targets in there, like airplanes flying in the sky or hot air balloons or really high roller coasters and things like that. And over time, I overcame my fear of heights because it desensitized me to them by remote. That's incredible. Yes. And when I really discovered how strongly it had worked was right after 9-11. We went to go visit my son, who was stationed at Cape Canaveral in Florida off Cocoa Beach. And after 9 11, there's Bush Gardens, the big amusement park, opened their doors to the military and their family for free. Mm-hmm. So we, and nobody was flying planes right then either. So we flew to Florida on an empty plane and then we got ushered into Bush Gardens and we rode roller coasters all day. There were no lines. There were no people there. So we just rode roller coasters one after another, after another, the entire day. And at the end of the day, I was the only one who wasn't feeling nauseous or sick. I just was totally fine. Whereas before I couldn't even get on a roller coaster because it was too terrifying for me. And since then, I've done bungee jumping. I've done done parasailing.
0: uh, Good for you. That's awesome. So remote viewing, you can use it to overcome fears, similar to heights because i know a lot of people have fear of heights and many other fears out there so that's incredible gosh
1: you know claustrophobia would be another one and fear of water things like that so that was huge to me that i overcame my fear of heights and and knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are your teacher can help you strengthen your weaknesses because it's obvious the data speaks for itself right and uh so we find that whereas if you go see madame minerva in the gypsy tent you know, there's no data, you know, to, I mean, you could maybe word of mouth. You know, she's really good. She me, I was going to meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger, and I did. That kind of a thing. But but you don't have any actual data to see. Whereas if a police department were to call us and say, hey, we've got a situation. A little girl got kidnapped yesterday. You know, we need X, Y, Z information. We can actually choose viewers based on their strengths that would be most appropriate for whatever the need is. For example, they need a description of the kidnapper's car. And uh, Joe over here is the best viewer we have when it comes to describing man-made objects. And then they we need a description of the kidnapper himself. Oh, here's Susan, she's the best at describing people.
0: You know, and we can tell by even te- work in a team together as well, which is really neat. I think, and you know, I think that there's some people out there that are naturally gifted at getting information like this. So it it gives them a tool to lean on as well that's backed by data, backed by the military, which is I think that's amazing.
1: There's a lot of science behind it really. And the thing too is that when it comes to all this stuff, I mean, we are learning through quantum theory. Mm-hmm. That, that reality is not at all what we think it is you know and that consciousness is this huge mystery really it truly is a big mystery and that consciousness is the next frontier so to me what you're doing what i'm doing we're exploring this new frontier of consciousness And it's leading to so many things. And I've gotten things in a session. You remember reading about Edgar Cayce or maybe studying. Yeah, absolutely. Most of us have, you know. And the funny thing about Edgar Cayce was he was a very devout Christian. And often when he would read back through the notes of something he had said while in trance, he would disagree with it wholeheartedly because it completely conflicted with his belief system. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and And so it's funny because... Over time, when I would do certain remote viewing sessions, I would be so blown away by information that I got in the remote viewing session that kind of, it, it didn't really conflict with what I believed, but it just expanded it so much to areas that had never occurred to me before, you know, that I would just be, you know, just flabbergasted. Um, in one session, I was asked to view a plane crash. And, I, and, and we always start out blind to the target. We don't know what the target is. So I had no idea what I was viewing, but I ended up in the cockpit of this plane and it was a 1950s Pan Am plane. And I, I drew the sections of the, of, you know how back in those days, the windshields had sections in them. Mm-hmm.
0: Thinking,
1: oh, this is odd. It has all these sections, this transparent piece of what of whatever I'm looking through. And then I saw these two men and I was kind of standing behind them in the remote viewing and I could see them from the back of their heads. And, and I was describing the, the interior of the plane and then suddenly there was kind of a loud noise and the plane tipped and there were things falling and people were screaming and, you know, I was perceiving all this. I could also see outside the cockpit, I could see water and I could see land off to the left. And so I'm, I'm describing all this and I said, something is failing. Now, one thing we, we always try to be very careful with in remote viewing, if you happen to not be doing a session by yourself and you have a trained remote viewing monitor with you, the monitor then has to be very careful not to lead the remote viewer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very careful. So my husband is like a world-class remote viewing train monitor. And so when I said something is failing, he said, move to the failing and describe. So that way he's not leading me. He's using what I just said mm-hmm. and more information about it. So he said, move to the failing and describe. So then I'm seeing this something mechanical and I am not a mechanical person at all. I have no interest in anything mechanical. And uh, so I said, well, it's this, it's this kind of mechanical thing and it's, I'm doing, you know, I'm Italian, so I'm <laughs> with my hands and he's like, could you sketch that for me? And I was like, well, I, you know, I don't know. and Cause I'm also not an artist, but I ended up sketching this whole schematic of the interior part of this engine from this 1950s plane. And we now have a photo of the actual engine Um, And so it's really great to get feedback and see that something I know nothing about, I was actually able to sketch in detail the interior parts of it. And then later it was discovered that that particular engine was problematic, that particular model of engine. And the reason they had asked us to take a look at what caused the plane crash was because there were some suspicious characters and some disgruntled employees and that kind of thing. So they wanted to be sure that it wasn't sabotage. But in all the remote viewings that have been done on that, and there's even been a book written about that particular flight, we use viewer numbers, so no one knows who we are. And mm-hmm. uh, in the, this this guy wrote a book about it and referred to my viewer number and always referred to me as a he in the book, which is funny. He just assumed I must be a man. <laughs> so, so that kind of thing for CRV is... It just shows how amazing it is because you don't even have to have knowledge of what you're remote viewing to get accurate information about it, which is amazing. And if you had asked me, you know, 40 years ago, if I believed in parallel universes, or if I believed in other dimensions, I would be like, no way. I might've even thought it was of the devil.
0: You know? <laughs> you know? but- Possibly,
1: Yeah. Because like and and I didn't believe in re- reincarnation or anything like that, and all of those things, you know, no one could convince me to believe in those things. But those things have all become part of my experience as a remote viewer. And when you experience something through remote viewing, it's as though it really has
0: occurred to you. I mean, it and it starts shifting your perspective on things. It really does. So how has remote viewing like shift your relationship with your spirituality?
1: You know, I feel like it's been kind of an up and down journey, to be honest. There have been times where I feel like it's strengthened my faith in many ways. And the thing is, prior to my ever leaving the missionary group and, you know, and discovering CRV, I was the beneficiary of some amazing healings. Um, I I had been given a death sentence and I was miraculously healed. I was, uh, I experienced so many amazing miracles that I know that there's something to having strong, strong faith in something. Of course. Yeah. And so I think that over time, you know, I'd be like, wow, that other belief system was a lot
0: simpler. <laughs> you know? I know. I tell my students, this, I'll tell my friends. This, once you know, you know, too much to go backwards. And so once you know the information, yes, it is a little bit of a harder path, but you know, better, you know, The things that are occurring, this stuff is just too real to be making up. And you get confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. But it can be challenging sometimes because you're not living under fog anymore.
1: Exactly. And that was a very rigid belief system. And the path was very straight and narrow, right? And this is a lot broader because consciousness is a massive ocean of knowledge. Jesus said, God is love. And that is probably the most expansive, most startling statement in the entire Bible, if you think about it. Because I've come to believe that love itself is a power. It's a force. It's not just an emotion. You know, you just think, oh, I love you. You know, it's it's a lot more than that. Love is just so powerful. And it is a force of nature in itself, stronger than gravity. And so when you think about the statement, God is love then love is what really controls the whole universe. And I found through my remote viewing experiences that love is the one constant that exists through all universes, through all dimensions. It's the one constant that's all that you can count on that's always there. Mm-hmm. I was asked by Coast to Coast Radio if I would do kind of a huge dog and pony show for four hours, where prior to the show, they would blind task me with three targets that I had no idea what they were. And I would remote view these three things, and then I would come on their show, and we would talk about each target. I would show share what I got. Target number one, I got blah 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 blah, and I would tell my information, and then they would reveal the target to me on the air. And so Lynn Buchanan was like, "Are you sure you want to do?" that? I said, "Oh, nerve <laughs> make you or break you kind of thing." I said, "It'll either it'll either really make me, or it'll or it'll just I'll retire," you know.
0: <laughs> if I have a bad day.
1: <laughs> so um, and so I I started on the first target and it was really funny because I as I started it, I went, oh no, oh no, it's it's Bigfoot. I just know it's Bigfoot. And I just suddenly knew before I even, you know, just as soon as I put my pen on the paper, I was like, oh no, it's gonna be Bigfoot. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to, I need to set that aside because it could very well not be Bigfoot. I just need to set that aside. So I started doing this session and the hilarious thing is. I didn't believe in Bigfoot at all. I mean, my only experience with Bigfoot was Harry and the Hendersons when I was a kid, you know, and it was a movie comedy called Harry and the Hendersons. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, so I started this session and I ended up having such a phenomenal connection with this interdimensional being that is Sasquatch or Bigfoot, you know, and the beauty of this being the intelligence of the being was so incredible that, and it was such an experience of love too. And it's so funny because here I am having this experience when I don't even believe in Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> it was like, how can you, how can you experience something like that? When, you know, when consciously I had never had any, you know, I just never, Bigfoot just wasn't on my radar. It wasn't something. How like-
0: fascinating. Like, and for them to pick that thing for your first thing to, to view. <laughs>
1: I should have known it was coast to coast radio, you know, coast to coast has actually become a lot more mainstream in their interviewees that they have on. But back then, you know, most, almost every interviewee was had something pretty, pretty out there to talk about, you know, generals talking about UFOs and, you know, they just had every, everything, uh, people talking about ghosts in their homes and things. So it was really, it was a profound experience, a beautiful session that I'll never forget. And uh, and the, I got so much information that I thought was way out there. Really, I was like, I can't go on the coast to coast radio with two million listeners and 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 say what I got because they're going to think I'm insane. They're going to want to lock me up. But I did. And and the hilarious thing that I thought was so far out and so extraordinary, it was like, oh, that everybody knows that. You know, the stuff that I thought was, that I was getting for the first time. Like one of them was that one of Bigfoot's um, one of his way mechanisms for self-preservation, because you know how people are always having Bigfoot sightings, but then they're so elusive and, and, and you could go back to the exact place where that was sighted and there's no evidence of Bigfoot. So, you know, what, what's the, what's the deal? And the information that I got through my session was that Bigfoot uses time travel, that Hmm. he's interdimensional, And so if you happen to, to see him, he can suddenly just be in a different time period, be in the same location but just switch time periods. And I was just like, wow, that's, that's really bizarre. And I thought that, I mean, I was like, how am I gonna say this on the radio? But what's so funny is we had another number of friends who were Native Americans and they were like, everyone knows that Sasquatch is a time traveler. And in fact, my dear friend, Mel Riley, who passed away last year, Mel was a, he'd been kind of raised by the Ho-Chunk Indians in Wisconsin and was, was a, considered a very revered elder, even though he didn't have any Indian blood in him he, because he had been mm-hmm. raised by them. So when I talked to him about Sasquatch, he said, yeah, it's it's well known in our culture that Sasquatch is a time traveler. And there's a famous legend of a young brave who was on his, his vision quest and he became ill and he woke up in a Sasquatch camp and they were bringing him back to health, And then they took him back to his camp. But when he walked into his camp, no one recognized him because it was 75
0: years later. And uh, so, and so, um, yeah, there's it's there's goosebumps everywhere on that one. That's fascinating.
1: It is so fascinating. And then what's even more interesting about this story was that so when I was 15 years old, I fell madly in love with a 15 year old boy. It was first love for both of us, you know, and that can be a really powerful thing that yes. Is-
0: Your first puppy love, yes, very much. (laughs) Very much
1: so. Anyway, we lost touch over the years. And I used to always wonder, I wonder what ever happened to him. And someone told me he had died and, you know, all this stuff. Well, meanwhile, there was a remote viewing Facebook group that I was an administrator on, along with 36 other people. And every now and then on my feed, something would pop up and say, so-and-so wants to join your remote viewing group. And you just click accept and they're in, right? So my husband and I are driving to Albuquerque and my phone goes ding and I look at it. And it's this guy's name and it says he wants to join the Remote View group. And I said, oh, I said to my husband who knew the whole story of our whole relationship. I said, oh my gosh, it can't be, it can't be the same guy. It must be a guy with the same name. But just to check, I checked on his Facebook profile and it was that guy that I had fallen madly in love with when I was 15. And I was just so shocked. And my husband had always felt that that experience that I had when I was 15 had really affected me in many ways. And that, that 15 year old still really needed closure, you know, me, yes. like, but the 15 year old me. And so I got, I started crying. I was like very emotional, but when I looked at the picture, I mean, I, the person I could tell it was him, but this was a 60 year old man, you know,
0: it yeah, was, you're not the way that you perceived him in your mind's eye, Was <laughs> still the 15 year old. Exactly. And
1: so, you know, I, it, I didn't have any feelings for this 60 year old man that I was looking at. my 15 year old me still was like brokenhearted over that 15 year old boy. And so I responded and I, which I never did, but I responded and said, are you the so-and-so that lived in such and such a place during this, you know? And he responded, yes. And I said, Oh, my name is. And then I gave him my maiden name and he was flipped out. He couldn't believe it. So we're then we're, Talking back and forth while we're still driving to Albuquerque, it's a ninety-minute drive. So he and I are driving back and forth, and my husband's like, "What's going on now? Oh, tell me what's happening now!" <laughs> you know, and and I'm and, and so we're having this correspondence. And uh, he said, "Well, the reason I decided to ask to be part of this remote viewing group is because I belong to a Sasquatch group on Facebook, and I li- I have thirteen acres in Tennessee, in uh, East Tennessee, and and there is a family of Sasquatch that live on my land." And uh, it's a mom and a dad and and two teenagers. And so he said, then the lady that runs the Facebook Sasquatch group does, you guys, a professional remote viewer, remote viewed Sasquatch and on coast to coast. And I have all her, I have a recording of what she said. And he said, so uh, I thought, wow, and I listened, I I listened to it and I thought, wow, i remote viewing maybe I should check into remote viewing because maybe I could communicate with the Sasquatch on my property and so out of 36 possible administrators and his name could have popped up on he gets me the professional remote viewer who did the thing on on coast to coast you know like it's like I love stuff like that reality is just not what we think it is that's the thing and
0: I think I think that when you're in alignment with things that are meant to bring closure and bring healing and bring new insights, like it will find its way to you. As long as you're paying attention, it will find its way to you. And if you are not paying attention, it will come and hit you on top of the head or in other ways, shapes or forms, get your attention.
1: So What's really amazing too is after that, we started having phenomena, physical phenomena in the house, like doors locking and, uh, you know, just like, you know, a fork kind of flew across the room. Um, My husband's, we were watching a movie and my husband's glasses just started bouncing across the table by themselves. And, you know, just uh, a chair tipped over
0: to the side and then tipped back onto its four legs again. And do you feel that because you were doing remote viewing that brought things forward or why do you feel that that started to happen for you?
1: Well, you know, it's, I kind of am divided in my, in my opinion on it because my whole life I've had physical phenomena occur around me. That was mm-hmm. kind of normal. Like we'd be like, how come every house we move into is haunted? Well, if every house you move into is haunted, sweetie,
0: it's, it's not the house. <laughs> it's not that the house. Like my grandma always has ghosts in her house. So it, my grandma will always have a ghost in her house. That is just her thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I think some people are just like magnets for spirits. Yes, and absolutely. And communicate with you. Um, And so I think that, and I did work as a medium for a number of years when I finally gave in, I I was so resistant to, you know, I don't forget people, I'm not going to do this. But I finally gave into it because, you know, the phenomenon was so outstanding. And I, I got some training with some very top Mediums in England, and and uh, they were like, well, you are a physical medium. You you go into a, a trance-like state without realizing it, and you cause this physical phenomena to happen around you. However, I have found that there there have been times when it's been really outstanding when there really was something going on, and things have been very calm. And we live in an Earthship. That's what these purple walls are behind me. We live in an Earthship, so we live in a house made of earth with flagstone, natural local flagstone floors. And and no one ever lived in that house before. Now, there were Native Americans living on the land hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But we never had any phenomena occur in the house until I did that session. And suddenly it was all the time happening like crazy. And now things are calm again. And it's not happening anymore. So... I I just feel like it it just started right after I did that session with Sasquatch and we live on the edge. Our West gate opens into the civil national forest. And Mm. now that I have done that session, a lot of people who are really into Sasquatch have contacted me and said, oh yeah, you know, if you live on the edge of a national forest, that's where all the interdimensional beings hang out is in national forests. I was like, oh, okay. Well,
0: I know, I know. know. (laughs) Now (laughs) I know that (laughs) I'm located right next to them.
1: And as I mentioned, we have 120 acres. So that in itself is like a national forest. I mean, it's a small. Yeah, nation.
0: you have a lot of land, a ton of land. So for remote viewing, it's kind of helped you kind of look at your faith and kind of, di- I want to say, kind of take apart some of the things that just didn't resonate with you. Yeah, kind of opened your eyes to different things that you're in alignment with too.
1: It took away the fear and the ability of of that to control me. Yeah, that's huge. So what it's really done for me is it's it's helped to relieve a lot of fears that I have. and I think that organized religion controls people through fear in a lot of ways. Like if you don't do everything perfectly, then you know you're you're a goner, <laughs> you're on your way to hell or whatever. So it's taken that away totally, which I love. I love not having that in my life anymore. And it's made me so much more relaxed. And I think it's really helped my relationships because I know for my kids, especially, it's really improved my relationship with my children because as they were growing up, of course, we, they were raised in a religious environment, you know, and they had to be good samples, good samples of Jesus. Right. So <laughs> For kids. I, I, when people go, you have wonderful kids. I'm like, that's, that's thanks to God. That's thanks to them in spite of me, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they did, they were related, re, raised in a very tight uh, religious environment. Whereas now, I mean, we can relate on every level. And they know that I accept them unconditionally, regardless of anything, you know, whatever they believe, whatever their lifestyle is, I love them and I accept them. And so that's really helped in those relationships. Additionally, I feel that it has opened me up to believe so many more things that I could not believe before. So I feel that it's really been amazing in that way and that when it comes to faith and spirituality, I now know that that there are so many things. I mean, even the Bible says that man can't even comprehend what awaits us, you know and what we're, what we really are and who we really are. And I no longer have this vision of heaven and hell like I had before. I feel that really God is consciousness, and we're all connected as part of this consciousness. And that I, you know, I can't point a finger at you or condemn you or judge you because I am you and you are me and we are really at one. So it's helped me so much to be so much more inclusive and less judgmental about things. So I feel that it has definitely expanded me as a person who I am in general. And it's all through CRV through doing these, these remote viewing sessions that have just
0: They sound like they've taken you on different journeys and different places and have opened your mind to things that allow you to just go, hmm, that's interesting. Or what is that about?
1: So that's cool. It truly is. I was doing a a session for a young lady who her mother had died and she was worried that her mother's boyfriend had killed her. Mm. So she came to me and I wouldn't let her tell me anything. You know, I I wouldn't, you know, she's called me. I'm like, don't say anything to me. I don't want to know anything. And I had a what we call a bi-location experience or a perfect site immersion experience where I suddenly found myself sitting in a bar, and I'm not a barfly. I've never been a, a, a you know I met the missionaries when I was fourteen, so I never became a barfly. But I'm sitting in a bar. It was dark, and I could feel the cool, smooth surface of the bar under my hands. Mm-hmm. I could see the bartender in front of me kind of off to my right a little bit, and he was cleaning a glass. And I could hear clinking and talking. There was a strong, overwhelming smell of cigarettes. And off to my right were beer signs, neon beer signs. And it was so real. And then I turned to my right and there was a woman sitting on a stool next to me. And she was a tiny diminutive woman, really, really wrinkly face, dyed kind of maroon, short hair, spiky hair. She was smoking like a chimney and drinking like a fish. (laughs) And so, and she said, tell my daughter, my boyfriend didn't kill me. She said, tell her it was my lifestyle that killed me. And that was, and then all of a sudden I was back in the room again. And, and it was like, I was like, wow, what, what the was that? And then I wondered how could I communicate this to the daughter? Because, you know, most of us like to think that everyone's mother is like, um, you know, Aunt B in 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 the you
0: know perfect, perfect, right? Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> perfect, you know, rotund and sweet and with an apron and baking cookies, and this woman definitely didn't fit that profile, you know. And so um, I said, "Did did your mom uh, did she smoke?" She said, oh, three three packs a day." And I said, "Did she like to drink?" And she said, "Oh, yeah, she drank all the time." You she um hang out in bars a lot. And She said, "Yep, every day she would spend her every day in the bar." And so then I asked her if she had kind of maroon hair, and you know, I kind of physically described her. She said, "Yep, that's my mom." And then I told her what she had said, and she was just, you know, okay. That's what that's what the doctors told me too, but I just wanted to be sure. You know,
0: it's, it's nice because she got to have closure and not have a what if anymore. Exactly. And so that, that kind of
1: experience, we, we call that perfect site immersion or bilocation experience where, you know, your body's still sitting in the chair, but now you, you feel you're completely in a different place. And, and uh, it happens rarely, you know, Thankfully, it doesn't happen every session, that's for sure. Uh, but it's so amazing when it does. And then when you can get validation like that, where, you know, I had, she hadn't told me a thing, I had no reason to know any reason why she was there at all. Yeah, and yeah, and then you know to get that kind of validation. So CRV can be for the new student. It can feel kind of like oh you know this is amazing, and they're getting very basic information like colors, and textures, and smells yeah. and, and things like that. But just getting that is really
0: exciting when you huge there. yeah absolutely. It's tell so, tell people, I know that you have a free four part introduction masterclass for remote viewing. Can you tell people where they can sign up for that. We'll also have this link in the show notes. So if you guys are interested in signing up for this free four-part masterclass with Lori, just click on the show notes and you'll you'll see it there too. Yes, and so if you go
1: to com with an S at the end of specialists, intuitivespecialist.com is my website. And you can actually put com forward slash masterclass hyphen series forward slash and that is it. Or you can just go to the website and it'll be there. We have actually a special link that I'll, that we'll put at the bottom that, that lets us know that you joined that class through this show. Because at the end of the class, just at the end of the four days, there is a special offer at the end. And so we like to know that you came to that through this class. But here's the thing. I get really tired of people who put out free stuff and it turns out to be a sales pitch. My goal in creating this class was number one, not to waste your time, but number two, to let you have an experience of what doing a CRV session really is like so that you could know if this really resonates with you and if it's something that might be for you. Because if it's not, I don't want you to waste your time or your money. So that's why I created a free class and it's a genuine class. It's four parts. You get a part every day. And then there's also an additional Q and A at the end of the class every day. So you can actually get eight hours of free instruction from this class. Um, so you know, I'd love to have you take it. If That's something that if it feels like just from hearing what I've been talking about, if it feels like this is something that might resonate with you and help you, then I'm all for it. Cause I'm not a salesperson, I'm a teacher. So I love teaching <laughs> and, and you love teaching too, don't you? Amy? I do. I love <laughs> teaching.
0: So, all right. Thank you, Lori, so much for joining us today. I think remote viewing is so fascinating. And thank you for sharing the history behind it and what's possible and what ways you can do it and and more about your life. I I think you've lived a very fascinating life and I'm just so happy to know you. And I'm so happy for our listeners to experience your four-part series if you're interested. And thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. It was great. I hope I get to see you again soon. Absolutely. All right, guys, make sure you check out the show notes. Make sure you like and subscribe. It means the world to me. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye. Yay, you've made it to the end of the show. That shows me that you are committed to evolving and creating the life you truly love and desire. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Make sure you click the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. We have shows going out semi-weekly and also